Hey, Dad, what do you do when you're out with friends? The waiter comes up and tries to take everybody's order, but the whole table freezes up, and everyone's looking at each other trying to find some help. Mm, that's a great question. So what, what should I do? You should have some confidence, Dad, or as our friends at Jägermeister call it, shotfidence. If everyone's having trouble ordering, here's what you do. You take charge, you grab the bull by the horns, you find that dog in you, and you make an executive decision. And just order for the table a round of ice-cold Jägermeister shots. Damn, that's cold. Because apparently, we've all been drinking Jägermeister wrong. Did not know that. How should we be drinking it? Glad you asked, Dad. We should be drinking it ice cold at zero degrees Fahrenheit. Well, that brings up other things that I love ice cold as well. And I'll tell you right out of the gate, that's going to be a candy bar pulled out of the freezer. That's my way of eating candy. Oh, I love it. On the golf course out there, you get to the turn in the middle of the round there, and you get to that little clubhouse there, and they've always got the candy bar options, and I always see they've usually got a little box of them in the freezer, and it always makes it better on a hot day out on the golf course, taking a bite of that cold, cold chocolate and getting ready to go for the rest of my round. It's the same way with Jägermeister. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice-cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community and of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. You're listening to DraftKings Network. Welcome back to Gojo and Golick. Mike Golick Jr., Mike Golick Sr., Jesse Cofield here on the DraftKings Network. Dad, one of the most stereotypically AFC North, yep. AFC North games we've seen in quite some time between them and the Baltimore Ravens, where they get a win and can roll in feeling pretty good uh, on the bye this week. But, uh, man, that was one. Points were always going to be difficult to come by. You figured that Steelers defense was going to bounce back pretty hard after what was an embarrassing loss the week before for them. And boy, did they ever. Uh, they they really did. I mean, I, I had thought Pittsburgh was going to be the worst team in this division. Here they are right on top. Mike Tomlin doing his thing going on what year 62 of being over 500. Uh, actually, I think 16. Uh, it, it's It's been amazing what he's able to do because early on the Kenny Pickett, Matt Canada, OC and quarterback didn't seem to be meshing too well. And we thought, uh oh, there's going to be some issues there. But Always that tough defense for Pittsburgh. Always something that helps carry the team, and they're doing it yet again. Yeah, uh, speaking of playing defense right now, apparently your house is under siege here. 
yeah. dad uh you and mom uh, in, in south bend screened in porch right now and we're in the middle of this show we're trying to clang and bang and give you guys takes and we find out that apparently my mom has become dr doolittle upstairs and you've got birds rabbits inside the screened in porch what the hell's going on in your house right now dad i don't know we usually leave the screened in porch outside door open if the dogs want to go in and out but that unfortunately means others can come in and the great thing about this, we have three dogs, two pugs, Hank and uh, Harry. Now they're they're 12 is Hank. Harry's still rambunctious at seven. And then our bulldog, Ted, who is just two. If Ted was out there, that room would be wrecked. The screened-in porch would no longer have a screen because he would be destroying it, trying to get to the bunny. So, so well, and the, bur the bird and the bunny would no longer have souls because set Ted would separate them from their body. He's That's committed murder before say. on campus. That's what I was going to say. So he wants to eat them. Well, I, yes. I don't, I don't, I don't think, I don't, he, he's, he's not a vicious dog by any stretch. I don't know if he's attacking. He's not getting the bird because the bird's going to be smart and stay the hell up in the air. And last I checked the dog, you know, Ted can't climb walls. The bunny would be in a bit of a problem. You know, what now what exactly Ted would do if he got him, I don't know. Ted is not like this killer who's gonna get him in his jaws and just start eating him. He doesn't do that. But I, I, I think it would be just the chase for him. But the thing he'd be a wrecking ball while he's doing it is he would destroy he's like a downhill linebacker where everything is straight, everything's forward, and he destroys everything in his path. So it sounds like Yeah, you want Ted dead. on R four on kickoff, one hundred percent. Yeah. He's a wedge buster in the purest form of it. A lot better morning for you guys uh, than me on that front. I woke up and found a spider right in my sink as I was going to brush my teeth in the dark. Uh -uh. Nope. Im no, immediate <laughs> nope. eject. Nope. I went, no. And, ugh. No. It was daddy long legs. I tried to drown it at first. I ended up getting a vacuum cleaner and sucking it up there. So it was uh, not a great start to the day uh, nope. for me there, dad. Um, mm -hmm. A difficult one there. Why don't we get started looking ahead? at this weekend in the NFL with a little something that we have got to call three for Thursday. Uh, Jesse, three things about the NFL slate, NFL slate this weekend that have us thinking heading into, what is it, week? is it week six now in the NFL? Dear God. God, they just keep going. Yeah, so three things about, you know, this weekend that we're thinking about, like you said. So we have two remaining teams in the NFL that are undefeated. Eagles, 49ers, both minus 110 to be the final undefeated team in the league on the DraftKings Sportsbook, okay? So that's, hmm. that's what we have on the DraftKings Sportsbook. But if you look deeper here, okay, there's an interesting market for which team they're going to have their first loss against. So for the Eagles, the favorite team to beat them first is Miami at plus 155. That's their Week 7 opponent. This week's opponent, the Jets, are plus 220, so that's the second-best odds for the Eagles. Now for the 49ers, the favorite team to beat them is this week's opponent, Cleveland, at plus 170. So then the three for Thursday, it's like, will these three things happen on Sunday? The first thing, the 49ers will improve to 6-0 with a win over the Browns. What do we think? Wow. Dad, this one... I, I would have felt a lot better about because the Browns defense we know has been a really tough out all year long. Uh, I saw Brandon Thorne, who's a great offensive line guru and expert on Twitter, pointing out that we get an unbelievable matchup in this game. Um, you know, looking at left tackle on pass rusher here with Miles Garrett and company going up in this matchup. But overall, Deshaun Watson been banged up again this week. Shoulder injuries a concern there. And 
while I love Dorian Thompson Robinson, it didn't go so hot for him no, the last time no. out when he was pressed into duty. And at the very least, if you do get Deshaun Watson in the game, you know he's operating at much less than 100%. And if you don't have your absolute A game against this 49ers outfit, they're going to not only beat you, but they're going to hurt you in the process. So I would say 49ers improving to 6-0 and feels like a veritable certainty at this point. Yeah, the offense for Cleveland just isn't really isn't really doing a whole lot. Uh, for anybody right now they're, they're led by their defense and much like we saw when they did go against one another uh Micah Parsons and Trent Williams I mean Trent Williams did his thing right Trent Williams showed why he's walking in they the also they also had a very good plan for Micah Parsons defense uh, well, def- or offensively did the 49ers they gave him a lot of looks there like one-on-one, I, I hope we get a lot of one-on-one shots between Trent Williams and Miles Garrett. Right, because right. You could argue Miles Garrett is the best pure edge rusher in the NFL right now, even yeah. with Nick Bosa lurking on the other sideline. Yeah, I, so, but Micah moves around some, just like Miles Garrett. We've seen him stand up and rush the middle as well. So they're, these, these, these great rushers of today, a lot of times, aren't just rushing from one spot anymore. You're doing the smart thing, and if they're versatile enough to move around, to move them around. But when we do see, when we did see the Micah Parsons, Trent Williams one-on-one, it was no contest, right? I mean, Trent Williams did Trent Williams thing. So I am looking forward to when Miles and Trent are one-on-one because Trent is not a guy you have to say, hey, let's give him a lot of help. <laughs> he doesn't need a lot of help. So uh, that those are the matchups that I really look forward to. But again, I just think San Francisco is too strong on both sides of the ball. Cleveland is strong on the defensive side, not on the on the offensive side. San Francisco is strong on both sides of the ball. I, I don't I don't see Cleveland beating them. No, I would agree. Uh, the Eagles improving to six and zero with a win over the Jets as the second thing here, Dad. This is also one I lean towards just because I think we saw the Jets offense turn back into a bit of a pumpkin last week. You're not going to rush for 175 yards or whatever it was like you did against the Broncos that are right. worse than the NFL there. I think there's some spots in the secondary you might be able to take advantage of. We talked to Mina Kimes early in the season about attacking the linebacker level as well, but outside of an unconscious stretch in the Kansas city chiefs game, I still don't know if we've seen it consistently enough from Zach Wilson to say he's in a position to take advantage of some of those deficiencies that have shown up during the transition from Jonathan Gannon to this new Eagles regime on the other side. So I would lean still in favor of Philly there. The matchup of great on great, the Philadelphia Eagles offensive line that remains probably the best in the NFL going up against that Jets defensive front. Absolutely going to be showtime. We'll see if maybe the Jets can step up and stop the brotherly shove, although it seems unlikely based on history. But that one, too, I would feel pretty good about the Eagles being able to move on here, who also, like we've talked about with Kansas City, haven't played their best football offensively yet. No, they haven't. That's why you give probably San Francisco the nod of being the best team in the NFL right now, even though there's two undefeated. And those two teams play each other, I I think, coming up uh, uh, next month in November. So the uh, well, I'm with you about the O-line of Philly and the D-line of the Jets because flip that around and Zach Wilson could be running for his life, right? That O-line has been a weakness for the Jets and that D-line has just been a ton. And unfortunately, they just lost their best offensive lineman and Elijah Vera Tucker for the yep. season again, it sounds like, which is a brutal blow for a unit that was already struggling mightily. Yeah, yeah. So that that's the side of the ball. Zach Wilson's going to be running around a little bit uh, I think of this. I'm sorry. It was, uh, and I'll say real quick. December third is when uh, Philadelphia and San Francisco play. But so that side of the ball, I think, is going to be tough for the Jets to get a running game going. Uh, and I think Zach's going to feel some pressure 
uh, in the passing game as well. So this is one I'm looking at, at Philly taking over again in this game. We sit there and talk about the the brotherly shove or the tush push, whatever you want to call it. And Robert Sala saying we're going to try and give Jalen Hurts 11 kisses, you know, all 11 defenders trying to get him. I mean, you know, they, they were talking a bunch about that. C.J. Mosley said, you know, the best way they're the linebacker for the Jets. He said, you know, the best way to stop this. Don't let them be in third and one situations or right. on the one yard line on the goal line because they have got this play down. I mean, I don't. You and you, it's not like you can practice against it. You're not going full go and practice to go against this. All you can do is strategically say what you want to do. And in all honesty, there's not a lot of strategy to do this as well. All right. I mean, this is we, we call it elbows and bleep and bleep things, you know, when, when you get down there of <laughs> elbows and bleep holes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, D Lyman going low, old Lyman trying to go lower and get a little bit of push. And you you can't even bring guys from the from the side. They won't get there soon enough. But with the guys that are pushing Jalen Hurts, and as I said last week, you can't just be a linebacker and dive over the top because you have no leverage at all because you're in the air. So you've got to have your feet on the ground. And if you can't have your feet on the ground because the D line isn't making penetration, you don't have a chance to stop this thing. So it's it's going to be one of the great questions of the off season. Is is the competition committee going to outlaw this play or are they going to leave it alone? Yeah, I still think that's such a coward's way out if the NFL bails these teams out of this just because one team is really, really good at something and it's starting to hurt everyone else's feelings. Not hurt the players because I know people are going to talk about that and everyone wants to hold up the Giants. You know what? If your team can't execute it without your offensive players getting hurt, then don't run the play. It's very simple. If you can't do it, don't do it. And that's the case for the majority of the teams in the NFL. I get way more fired up than I have any right to talking about this play. I don't know why I've turned myself into one of the foremost tush push defenders but here we are it just seems lame it seems so overwhelmingly lame for people to step in and say oh they're too good at this or you hear al michaels on thursday night football complaining about how ugly it is ugly it's football we watched the triple so, option for years in football it's, <laughs> ugly, it's life in the trenches deal with it al so so here's here's the thing i i and i agree with everything you said about that from you don't get rid of it because one team is doing it better than the other teams. Everybody has the ability to do it if they want to, but they're very successful. I think they've succeeded on 13 of 16 tries this year on the brotherly shove. I just overall in general am not a fan of being allowed to push said running back or ball carrier or running back or a quarterback in this instance. Overall, I am not in favor of that. I do not think that should be allowed, but they, they, to me, to disallow it would be for the reason that you don't think you should be allowed to do it, not that Philly is doing it so well that we have to stop this because it's not fair to the other team. That would be a Bush League reason. I 100% agree with you that if other teams can't do it, that's on them. That's not on the Eagles who can do it incredibly well. My thing is I don't think it's fair overall to be able to push a ball carrier forward. I hate myself for getting triggered again by this. I'm not, I'm not, I'm going to treat this like the NFL top 100 that every year criminally underrates Zach Martin and gets me all up in my feelings. <laughs> I'm going to instead put this aside and understand this whole conversation is designed to hurt me and trigger me. And I'm not going to let the bad guys win on this one. Instead, dad, I'm going to get to our third uh, thing from the upcoming weekend and whether or not we think it will happen this Sunday 
Dad, how are we feeling about a little Minshew mania in a revenge game against the Jacksonville Jaguars going into this weekend? Anthony Richardson, the Colts, Colts rookie quarterback, put on IR right now, so going to be on the shelf for the next four weeks after injuring that shoulder in their last game where Gardner Minshew's able to come out and help orchestrate them to a win against the Tennessee Titans. They turn around once again inside the division and this time go up against a place that he knows very well. Jacksonville, by the way, coming off a pretty good weekend for them, getting a week, uh, yeah. getting a win over in their soon-to-be new home in London no. as they spent two weeks there and finished it off by beating the Buffalo Bills, left a good taste in their home fans' mouths. Dad, do you think Gardner Minshew now going in, the full-time starter going into this week, not taking over in the middle of a game and riding that wave, can get it done against the Jags team that also has a lot of positive momentum right now? Sure he can. Yeah, and good for Jacksonville. Two games, they stayed there uh, in London, won them both. Uh, so kudos to them for doing that. But you got to believe, lo looking through the teams and just saying this quickly, Gardner Minshew is the best backup quarterback on, on a team, right? I mean, I I'm trying to sit there and think of another team that has a better backup quarterback that you would trust more oh uh, i mean is there one out there that and i'm just saying this off the top of my head I, there, there may be one um that i'm missing but regardless they have one of the, if not the best backup one of the best backups in the nfl correct and gardner Minshew has yeah, starting he's, experience he's I was going to say, recent starting experience yes. seems never flustered by the moment. Yes. A guy like Jacoby Brissett in Washington might also come up there. Tyrod Taylor has been really secure in that role for a You're long right. time also, who's in New York now, who we might see this weekend if Daniel Jones' neck isn't all the way healed up. So there's guys in that range. But in okay. general, you're right. Baker so, Mayfield exists in that group of trustworthy backups whose names you know, especially for him because he's got the personality, that Mississippi mud flap on him, all that good stuff. I will say then he's in the team picture of uh, best backup quarterback. So I have all the confidence in the world that he can get this done. We've, we've seen Jacksonville look good, but we've also seen them not look so good uh, at times. So, yeah, uh, if they can get the running game going, that that's obviously a key. Minshew isn't mobile like Anthony Richardson is, so more more of a stay stationary in that pop. Move around some. Obviously, he can move. All quarterbacks basically can move, uh, <laughs> but not what Anthony Richardson is. So. I just like the idea. He's not yeah. actually immobile. No, he no, he's not. Technically, can move. He's, he's not stuck in the pocket. Uh, but, but he's not what Anthony Richardson brings to that team. So, I, I do like their chances because, again, I like the running game. Zach Moss has really stepped and done well. He's averaging five yards a carry. He took. A, he's been running in place of Jonathan Taylor, who just came back last week. So he'll get integrated more into the offense as well. So I absolutely have confidence in Gardner Minshew to pull this off. All right, so we will wait and see how that looks going into this weekend. We'll obviously have plenty more NFL preview heading up for you tomorrow. Um, if we're talking about injuries relative to the tush push and all those things, I, I saw this yesterday on the NBA front, and I wanted to bounce this off you. The NBA came out and said their executive price president and head of basketball operations, Joe Dumars, came out and said it has communicated the league to the players that they are really emphasizing the 82-game season this year. And the league is now propping out this idea that they have data indicating that player rest didn't actually translate to players being healthier. All the stuff that we have been sold and taught about the second night of back-to-backs and three games in five days and yada, yada. They're basically saying now, oh, we have new information that says that's not true. 
while they admit that they are in conversations with media rights partners for the next couple of years, while they're admitting they want more guys to play in the regular season. Dad, I, I know the NBA has got a much better track record overall with player health and safety than its counterpart in the NFL, who rightly draws the ire and scrutiny of a lot of people when it tries to do anything. But man, this seems like awfully convenient timing for the NBA to try and come out and say, oh, no, we swear we've got data on this that says you're not actually at risk in these situations and you need to just get out there and play these 82 games. So the exact quote from Dumars, we've got more data and it just doesn't show that resting, sitting guys out correlates with lack of injuries or fatigue or anything like that. What it does show is guys may not be as efficient on the second night of a back to back, but in terms of injury and things like that that we thought that it did prior as we got more data, we realized that's not holding up. Listen, we know they don't want guys sitting. It's it's horrible for the, the ticket holders, right, who are buying tickets to these games and all of a sudden the stars aren't playing. But, you know, you know the NBA players will find a way around this. They're just going to get themselves on an injury report with an ankle, right? If they're going to want to sit out, they grab an ankle. They grab a hammy, you know, the, the day before or or the, the first game of that doubleheader. You well, know, we, that, that, we do know the one mitigating factor this year is there's now that individual games requirement for a lot of the uh, the new awards, the player right. participation policy with NBA uh, uh, MVP and a bunch of the others where you got to play at least 65 games here now. And dad, this is also like to not the players driving this. These are teams. Once we yes, went through that yes. thing with Kawhi Leonard with the Toronto Raptors teams at the beginning of the season are mapping out the games where they will right. strategically rest their star players. So it's going to be an adjustment from that side. If the teams are buying that this data is actually valid coming from the NBA, which we've seen anecdotally dad players talking about, Hey, for all this rest, it sure seems like we got a lot of injured guys popping up, but it's one thing to see that and think that. And another thing to provide the data for it with this backdrop that, oh, by the way, we've got all these rules going into place. We know this is focused on the television product and making sure guys are out there for the... It just doesn't seem all that believable timing-wise for this information to all of a sudden drop. No, but it, it doesn't. But you can go... Can you go to the NBA in the past and say, guys in a must... And I'm not saying anything about the players of today. The game was played more physical years ago, correct? Uh, it, way more physical. And guys played 82 games. And I would be interested to see the injury rate then. I mean, because it's, it's still basketball, and the game was more physical and harder back then, and guys were playing 82 games. They were. So I, 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 that, that's something the league can say, look at what these guys did. Why can't you guys do that? Let's put a pin in this then, because I think it's fascinating to consider the junction that we're at right now with the NBA, and if this is necessary right now for the health of the league next year on Gojo and Golik. All right, guys, let's talk about Jägermeister. They could have written a totally normal ad here, like a really classic ad. They could have talked about their history, the 56 botanicals. It could have been all salesy and cutesy, but they know you don't care. Jägermeister doesn't want to be like all those other ads you've seen and heard. They just wanted to say two things. Jägermeister is great, but everyone has been drinking it wrong. Damn, that's cold. Drinking it wrong? All right, if that's the case, how should we be drinking it? They are so glad you asked, and so am I, Dad. I'm here to help you. Ice cold is the answer, at zero degrees Fahrenheit to be exact. Ice cold shots of Jägermeister. That's it. That's all they want to tell you. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends or at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. 
And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Welcome back to Gojo and Golik. Um, before we get into what we're going to talk about, I just wanted to say reports are coming out that Taylor Swift will be at the Chiefs game tonight. So our national nightmare is over. We, we are hoping that we will be seeing Taylor Swift at the game. She plans to, to go out there and, and watch. She's been at the Jets and Bears games, and now apparently maybe she's going to hang out with Ciara at this one. I don't know. Who knows? I mean, Vikings fans have to be absolutely sick. Yeah. That her theirs was the game that she does. If she truly does go three and four weeks and the only one was not on the road at Minnesota, you've got to start to worry about if you're going to be included on future tour dates, what this means for the long-term ramifications for the city, Dad. It's pretty brutal. Did she play in Minnesota? I don't even know what her tour schedule was. I don't even know if she played there or not. If she just bypassed that city concert-wise and football fan-wise altogether, that would be... Uh, yeah, that's not a feather in your cap uh, for that one. So if Travis doesn't play in the game, do you think he asked Andy Reid, hey, can I go sit in the in the box with her? Oh, God. <laughs> Could you? It... No. Could you even? No, I'm they kidding. Wouldn't, I'm we wouldn't kidding. be able to watch any of the game because the cameras yeah. would just be. How about it? Yeah. So just true. Go, you go picture in picture on that one. You've just got the fan cam on them the entire time and give the people what they want. I've enjoyed so much watching Taylor Swift, the hardcore diehard Swifties online, all of a sudden turn into the most prominent New Heights listeners on planet Earth. Yeah, yeah. It, it really has been a heartwarming merger of talent on both sides of this. So, again, very exciting times. Great to hear that back, mostly because I enjoy how angry it's going to make a certain section of the NFL watching no, population. And you amazing. babies need to go out here and just take your medicine again because we'll be back here serving it up for you again. Why do people get so upset at this? You don't, you're not missing any of the game. Nope. And if the announcers talk about Taylor Swift for a little bit, so what? Mm -hmm. It's a three-hour game. You see every play. You're not missing plays. I I don't understand it uh, at all. And, and they're not like taking whole series and talking about the situation. But uh, who knows? I, I think it's great. I love it. I, I think it's awesome. Uh, she just won't get to see, you know, her guy play tonight probably. Maybe. I, I would. I Maybe. would be – I would be – I don't see him playing tonight. I, I see the smart move of him sitting and getting a lot of extra time. The one thing we know after last week is it will not be because Travis doesn't want to be out oh, there. No. That guy, <laughs> after seeing that and him winding up back in that game, you got a clear image. For all the stuff people are going to talk about with Travis Kelsey right now and this relationship and the podcast, like that's an incredibly tough, determined player who's a huge leader on that team who's going to be doing everything in his power to be out there. But you got to take the helmet away from the player sometime, and this seems like one of those instances. So uh, we'll wait and see on both those fronts if Travis Kelsey is going to show up tonight. But, Dad, speaking of uh, people that are a little upset, there was a lot of uproar yesterday after this soundbite went viral from a Penn State press conference with James Franklin, their head football coach, that got asked a very interesting question that we'll let you hear right now. Take a listen. A follow-up to what uh, you were just asked there about Drew. Is there a balance, though, between, hey, we need you to throw the ball deep no matter Just take a shot. Don't, don't overthink it. Take a shot. We need to see it. We're going to call it. And we need you to get some confidence in doing this as opposed to even giving a young quarterback the chance of saying, hey, just check it down if, if, if it's not there. 
I, I don't really understand what you're saying because we would never like I'm like my skin is curling when you say just drop back and chuck it deep no matter what like like that is like I, I don't even know what you're I don't know what you're saying it's like you're speaking like from just Mars on a post pattern take the shot throw it no matter receiver. what give your receiver a chance to make a play on a ball uh, even if he might be covered 30 yards down the field Maybe you think he'll be open 45 yards down the field and, and like Godwin did or with Jahan or KJ. We, you, we've you, ne- we, like, like, I still don't, like, you're speaking Japanese. Like, like we, we have never done that. Just throw the ball up and maybe he'll be open and maybe he'll catch. Like, my skin is like, like, my, I'm, my, like you're making me uncomfortable. Like, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. The whole exchange made me deeply uncomfortable, Dad. It was Corey Geiger of the DK Pittsburgh uh, of DK Pittsburgh Sports, and the sad part is, is I saw this happening on my timeline, and almost immediately saw a tweet from Corey Geiger that said, "Yeah, I asked a bad question, but the people in my DMs telling me I need to kill myself probably can pump the brakes a little bit." We always go too far with this stuff. Oh, Leave geez. the guy alone. He asked an awkward question in the press conference. The dad, quite honestly, it was poorly worded. It was rambling. All those things that I've never been in a press scrum like that. So I usually afford people a bit of grace there. But the idea that, yeah, have you thought about with the quarterback with the big arm calling more deep shots and telling him to be more aggressive sentiment wise isn't actually as far fetched as James Franklin wants to make it seem here. We have seen plays like that where where the intention at the start of the play is to throw a deep no matter what. I mean, hell, I just I just called the game, you know, Monday night. You know, in, in Vegas, uh, with Vegas in Green Bay, Jordan Love a couple of times just hoisted a deep ball up with into in basically, you know, the safety in the corner on the receiver. But they lead the league, does Green Bay, in getting pass interference calls on deep plays. So, to them, sometimes it's a play. Throw it deep, maybe get the interference call. But we've seen guys throw it up and say, I trust my guy to get the ball more than their guy to get the ball. It's called a 50-50 ball that sometimes you think it's 70-30 in your favor. So I'm with you. It, it maybe was worded poorly. And, oh, yeah. And, and I understand how James Franklin was saying, wait a minute, I don't, I don't get the gist of what you're saying. But the gist I get is there are times where you're saying, okay, I see this coverage. I'm going to throw to this. Even if there becomes help over the top, there's going to be another guy there. Even if not, if there's good coverage, I trust my to go get the my guy to get the ball, and I'm going to heave it up there. I mean, that happens. That happens all the time. Yeah, I understand a coach's general aversion to this idea that football is as simple as that sometimes. I saw a lot of people calling this question like a Madden brain question. I, I get it. You've got pre and post snap reads. You've got all these things a quarterback is supposed to have their eyes on the keys and how they uh, you know change versus certain coverages and all of these ways that you process the game at every position, but especially at quarterback. Like I get it. Very, very hard sport. We do a very complicated, difficult thing. We spend a lot of time preparing for it, but sometimes football does just get to, Hey, we got a guy who we think's better is better yeah. than they're better. And we're going to look for situations where you're not throwing into triple coverage. It's not no matter what. And sometimes coaches see players do that and aren't thrilled when a quarterback decides, right, right. Hey, I got a guy down there and he might be covered, but I'm going to throw it open and give him the shot. It's the Patrick Mahomes bleep it. Tyreek's down there somewhere where he's just going to cut one loose and let it go ride there. But I do feel like in a reaction to how the question was posed and in part because of James Franklin's response, we've made this out to sound a lot more nonsensical than it really is at its core, which again, 
you're in charge of your words. If you're the quarter, if you're the reporter, you've got to ask the question in a better way. But it's this idea of basically, hey, are you thinking about dialing up more design shot plays to give your receivers right, and right. your quarterback a chance to air it out a little bit more? That's not all that crazy to ask. No, no, it's not. Because how many times you say, if I see the matchup I want on the outside where I'm getting that pre-snap and it's man, and I know I trust my guy on that guy, that all of a sudden it, it's a go route and I'm hoisting it up there. You know, and sometimes the safety will come over the top, you know, if, if it's man free, you know, and they'll help over the top and it looks like you throw into double coverage, but you're giving your guy a shot. It definitely happens. It was just, it was just worded in a weird way, but, but I understand the sentiment of, of, of what he was asking of, yeah, you go deep at times to give your guy a chance to catch the ball, even though it looks like coverage, you trust your guy, or maybe you get a PI call. And I mean, honestly, with Penn State and Drew Aller, who's got a live cannon God, for an arm, cannon, not necessarily the worst thing in the world here. And, you know, given the fact that right now you're getting ready in a stretch of games where we know the most important ones are going to come up here at the end of November for really everyone in the Big Ten East. Not a bad time to try it out right now before you get to the good on good with Ohio State and Michigan. So I, I just a really interesting moment uh, in, in college football yesterday as I don't know. We kind of hit the doldrums during the week and every once in a while you see these weird interactions between media, coaches, players, all that stuff. James Franklin, Lord knows, giving of content here and we thank him for that. But uh, at the end of the day, hopefully cooler heads prevail and leave them alone. Like we went through this with the NCAA stuff where, yeah, we all disagreed with the way the NCAA oh, operated with the Te people. Tez Watkins situation. But you don't need to threaten anybody online. You don't need to be weirdo about who, it. Who is who is typing out a threat and hitting send. I mean, come on, stop. Don't be a loser. I mean, that, that is just disgusting. It's ridiculous. Great, great advice, just in general. Don't be a loser. Yeah. Be like our next guest, a winner. Coming up, we're excited to talk to Saints rookie defensive tackle star, Brian Brzee, next here on Gojo and Golan. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code GOJO. That's code GOJO for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. What's up, guys? Welcome back to Gojo and Golik. Brian Brzee was drafted 29th in the 2023 NFL Draft by the Saints. He made his NFL debut in week one versus the Titans. He's had one and a half sacks in four games this season, and he took the time to chat with Gojo and Golik earlier this week about his rookie season and what we can expect from the Saints moving forward here. All right, very excited to talk to 
New Orleans Saints rookie first round pick Brian Brzee joining us here on behalf of Sleep Number and the NFL's partnership with the American Cancer Society for Crucial Catch. Obviously, uh, want to hear all about that project, something I know is near and dear to you, Brian, and certainly should be near and dear to everybody for you know fighting against this disease. But you're a quarter of your way into your rookie season, man. How you feeling right now? How you doing? Mm -hmm. Feeling good, feeling good. It's uh, it's been it's been uh, amazing being out here and and you know getting to uh to kind of live out the NFL dream and and uh, so it's been amazing. I always wonder for a guy like you who from freshman year on knew you were destined for the NFL. It's always one of the questions, you know, going back from when I played to way before I played. When guys go from college to the pros, what did you find the biggest difference for you that? became a realization of like oh wow this is this is the big time um I, I mean I think for me kind of you know being on film and, and seeing some of those guys that that you grow up watching and and you know kind of seeing like oh you know we're, we're playing them this week has been has been pretty cool for me um but you know I would I would probably say that's kind of been probably probably been the, the biggest thing for me was there anyone even on your own team like I so I did the offseason program a couple of times in New Orleans and I remember sitting across from Drew Brees at breakfast one day and I'm like what am I supposed to say to Drew Bre <laughs> Bleep and Brees right now you come in and you're a first round pick with all these expectations on you but was there any moment like that even in your own building where you looked up and felt like that um I wouldn't really say that. I think, you know, there's obviously some guys in there who have, who have, uh, you know, been, been really special players in the NFL and, and guys that have been uh, a huge help to me, like having Cam Jordan on the D line here who's played for so long and uh, been so successful in the NFL and, and just having, having a guy like that to, uh, to just kind of lead you and, and show you the way. And uh, so he's been, he's been a, a big help for me and, and just definitely cool just to have somebody like that in the locker room and, and out on the field playing with you. Yeah, I remember Mike calling me, and his biggest worry was if I snap the ball to Drew Brees oh. and I break and I break his fingers, how bad <laughs> that's going to be <laughs> for me. Yeah. How about how about on the field for you? What did you find in the NFL that was maybe something you didn't expect from speed to, to size of guys to to something that was okay? This is the big jump. Yeah, I mean, I would say all that all that kind of stuff. You know, just these are the best of the best in the world. All these players who uh, were the top guys at their college and and now are are you know in the in the national football league so um i mean everyone's big fast strong and and every week you know it's a it's a the biggest game of your season so um just coming in every week and preparing for that and, and seeing who you're going against and um yeah but i mean everyone's everyone's super super talented in this league a little past the quarter pole of uh of the season here you guys sitting at three and two that bunch of or the three teams at the top you and tampa and atlanta what's What's the talk in the in the locker room amongst the team and the defensive side of the ball on where this team is right now? Yeah, I mean, for us, I think we just kind of take it week by week. You know, we uh, you know, just just preparing ourselves every week for for who's next, who our next opponent is, and um, just doing everything we can to to get ready for that. You know, I don't think any of us really look for look into the long run of things, and uh, you know, yet obviously, and, and are just kind of focused in on on who we got uh, in the upcoming week. Derek Carr comes over to the team this year and you've obviously watched him from afar like the, a lot of the rest of us have and I feel like as far as where his standing is in the league a polarizing quarterback for a lot of people trying to gauge how good they thought Derek Carr was during his time with the Raiders having him been in the building with him now watching him battle through injury at this point you've got Jameis in that quarterback room that's been out there now but uh, what has Derek Carr been for you behind the scenes what's he been for this team behind the scenes 
Yeah, I mean, you know, like you said, battling through injury and, and just seeing, you know, that guy's doing anything he can to be on the field. And I think that shows a lot of resilience to all of us. And, um, you know, just also just a great leader for the offense, somebody who, who everyone kind of, you know, can lean on. And, and he's uh, amazing uh, in the building. And, and uh, another guy who's just, you know, like DeMario of the offense, really, just somebody who's a, a great pro and, and somebody who, who kind of, you know, you just look at and, and you know, he, he's doing things right, so. Dad mentioned the college aspect. What's it like watching your old team now as a fan on the other side here? As a, as a former player, you're not really a fan, but you don't have any control over it anymore. So what's it been like watching Clemson this season for you? That's definitely a big talk in the locker room, just kind of kind of looking back on on everybody's college team. And, and, you know, especially for me being one year removed, you know, having played with most of the guys on the team and, and uh, seeing them go. But uh, it's hard for me to, to you know, kind of criticize a – you know, college, because you, you, you remember when you're in college and, you know, if you lose a big game and you see all these older guys kind of talking down and whatever it is on you, you're like, come on, dude, like you were just here. But so, you know, <laughs> that'll never be me. Just just enjoy watching them and, and you know, obviously wishing, wishing the best for them. How tough was it? Because it's still, listen, I've been out since 85, Mike since 2012, and we still, you know, live and die in that Ohio State uh, when they beat Notre Dame and then Notre yeah. Dame loses to Louisville. You're right out of it, and right in the first first game, you see Duke take out your team. That, that had to be a tough moment for you. Yeah, a little gut-wrenching there watching that game. Um, yeah, yeah, it's a, you know, it's like you, you kind of turn into a diehard fan right when you leave, so um, – but you know, I, I, those guys, all the coaches in there, obviously do 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 a great job of preparing preparing everyone, and um, you know that that was that was a tough one. But you know, excited for those guys to to get back on track and get rolling. What does the outside world get wrong about Dabo Sweeney? He's another one that a lot of people have really strong feelings about from the outside looking in. Yeah, he's. I mean, one of the best people I've ever met in my life. Just somebody who who is um, so caring about his players and. Um, you know, it, a lot of people come up to me and ask me, like, is that how he really is, like, all the time? Like, we see him, I'm like, that's literally him every day. Like, him, his wife, Miss Kathleen, his whole family. They're just, I mean, just just really, really good people who who um just mean so well. So, you know, I, I think, you know, sometimes they can get, or he can get, uh, you know, kind of the wrong, the wrong rap on them. Well, you've already found a great way to make use of the time through the first quarter-ish of the season. You got one and a half sacks on the year from the D-tackle spot. You're drawing a lot of attention in there. My dad played nine years in the NFL and had 11 and a half sacks. So after already getting about a tenth of his production in a quarter of the season, <laughs> do you have any pass rushing tips that you can give my father at 60 years old to try and help him out now, Brian? I think I need to learn some from him. Dude, you're not going to learn a thing for me. Watch what I did. I got really good at knocking down passes. They always say, if you're not going to get there, get your hands up. That was kind of yeah. my mantra. I ain't going to yeah. get there, so I'm going to try and, and block some passes. Real quick. Yeah, yeah. I have a feeling you'll be getting to the quarterback a hell of a lot more. <laughs> No, it's it's incredible, Brian. It's been a ton of fun to watch you play so far, and, and what you've done on the field's already made a huge impact there in New Orleans. But uh, we know off the field for you, you're here on behalf of Sleep Number, partnering with the NFL and the American Cancer Society here for the NFL's Crucial Catch program. I, I know you recently had a chance to go and make a visit to a hospital locally there in New Orleans. Why is this so important to you? What does this process mean to you? Yeah, so, I mean, obviously I lost my little sister to cancer, um, a about a, a little over a year ago so um you know just just being a, a family member of, of somebody who, who has gone through this and and seeing how how you know just awful this disease is and having somebody like sleep number who who does an amazing job of continuing to 
to not only raise awareness, but but doing everything they can in order to to try to stop this disease. You know, they started the uh, the Defender tool that uh, you know you can find on the NFL.com um, that that kind of helps early detection through through a little test. So um, I think just just doing everything we can in order to 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 just raise awareness and and you know obviously one day try to try to stop this disease. Um, and Sleep Number's done an amazing job of of just continuing to to do that. Well, it's it's impressive that, and obviously it was uh, such a tra- tragic event with your sister. But you have this platform uh, to be able to try and reach people, and uh, that's it's one of the great things. Uh, obviously, being a star in college and then on into the NFL as well is to use that platform for good. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. No, it's incredible work, Brian. We really appreciate your time and and continuing to elevate this conversation and use your platform to try and help this change. Best of luck with the rest of the season here, man. Good luck with everything. And hopefully we'll talk to you after you get the full run of all the food tour in the city so you can give us the career (laughs) highlights, all right? You got it. I'll get back to you. Awesome. Thanks, Brian. Really appreciate it. Appreciate you. Sound the trumpets, it's horse racing time. So saddle up for the action with DK Horse, an official DraftKings affiliate. Right now, new customers who download the DK Horse app can get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250. Just deposit $25 or more and complete the playthrough requirement. Wager on your favorite horses, then watch the races live right in the app. Download the DK Horse app now. New customers get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250 when they opt in with code GOLIC. Only on the DK Horse app. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER, 18+, plus, 21+, plus in certain states, to open or access an account and resident of a state where DK Horse is available. Eligibility restrictions apply. Void where prohibited. One per new customer. Match calculated on first deposit up to a maximum of $250. Deposit requires two-time playthrough of settled wager within 168 hours. Bonus released in $25 increments. Deposit and eligibility restrictions apply. See terms at dkhorse.com. Welcome back to Gojo and Golik. Mike Golik Jr., Mike Golik Sr., and Jesse Cofield. We're going to finish this up the way we always do with this, that, and the third. Three quick stories to finish the day. As always, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, and review. Leave us that five-star rating and check us out live on DraftKings YouTube, DraftKingsNetwork.com, Samsung TV+, Plus, Roku, and a bunch of other places, 8 to 10 a.m. Eastern, Monday through Friday. And if you missed any of our great guests like New Orleans Saints rookie D-tackle Brian Brzee, you can check it all out there and available wherever you get your podcasts. Dad, let's get to this. My God, we build this as two super teams. It might be one really good team and one true super team because the Las Vegas Aces have taken a commanding 2-0 lead in the WNBA Finals right now against the New York Liberty. No team in the best-of-five WNBA playoff series has ever come back from a 2-0 hole. 2-0 teams are a perfect 17-0 all-time. And, Dad, this coming after a trend, tend, tendency breaker in its own right, the New York Liberty had been an undefeated 19-0 coming off losses so far this season and instead get dropped like a bad habit last night. This one was never really close. The Aces look every bit as dominant as we have expected and look poised to be the sec- the first WNBA team to repeat since 01 uh, in the league. I believe that was the Los Angeles Sparks back then. What, 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 they were up 17-2 to two in the beginning of the game. And you always think, okay, you start out like that, you know, the team's going to come back and make it close. They went at 104-76. The one thing I'll say is that they faced each other five times in the regular season, four, I say four in the regular season and once in the Commissioner Cups final. 
And in the four regular season games, the home team won and were blowouts. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm not going to say this one's over yet. As you mentioned, it's never happened in the finals to come back being down 2-0. But the Liberty now go home, and they have done well at home against the Aces in the regular season. So let's see. You know, we, we build this as the two super teams getting together, and if the Aces close this thing out, really if they win it anyway, but if they sweep it, I mean, they have shown they are obviously the dominant super team. But that's what I'm going to hang my hat on to make this a series is the Liberty of beating the Aces when the Liberty were in New York. So I just wish these were more competitive games because they even weren't in the regular season, and they haven't been now in the postseason. So I would like to see some more competitive games because I, I don't have a horse in this race. If you wanted to see high-powered offense, though, the Aces became the first team in WNBA history to shoot 50% from the field and 40% from three in back-to-back games. Yeah, That is just an unholy tear for Becky Hammond's squad that it looks like they're going to go out here and get this thing done again again. No team in the five-game uh, series version of the WNBA playoffs has ever come back from down 2-0 in this series. So we'll wait and see if Sabrina Inescu and company over in the New York, Brianna Stewart, can try and become the first here. Dad's a great sell from an experienced broadcaster that's used to trying to get people back in to watch something that they oh, might not otherwise watch. Yep. Speaking of stuff that we all want to watch, oh. though, it's been a little while since we re-upped in the International Bank of Bigfoot. And Jesse, Mana from Heaven rained down from the sky yesterday as we got a little bit of classic grainy Bigfoot footage to go over. Yeah, so a couple, Shannon and Stetson Parker, were riding on a popular train through Colorado when they spotted a bizarre figure moving through the mountains. And I know Senior hasn't seen this yet, so let's just play the video so he can get a look at what we're talking about. It's an elusive creature. All right, just squat it down. Yeah, let me see your camera. I'll do it. So you can hear the guy in the background being like, it's an elusive creature. Yeah, which is the exact kind of like, honestly, lines like that make me think this whole thing is a sham because that's the kind of line that a script, a bad script writer would write. And thankfully, the writers are no longer on strike now. And we're going to have that hell behind us. But dad, I want to believe I I, just put it this way. I believe a Bigfoot like creature exists. That being said, it feels like every time they come up, it's always this found in a day and age where I can watch an iPhone camera on some of the newer models, zoom in like 35 times and take some of the most crystal clear images known to man. The fact that you had a whole train full of people in 2023 with these kind of phones, and that's the best footage that we got of a Bigfoot outside. I'm sorry. You're going to have to come a little bit better than that for me. I mean, we got a much clearer image of Will Ferrell and elf. Did we not of, of, you yes. know, kind of a, a Bigfoot look. <laughs> yes. uh, I, I'm with you. I want to believe. I want to believe there's a Bigfoot out there. Uh, but but it's getting harder and harder to believe. And I agree with you. In the modern technology of today, can't there be better shots of that? But I do want to believe it. I, I so want to. And you think with, with tracking devices and the way we can maybe do things today, we'd be better at maybe tracking and finding because... We'd see shows out there looking for Bigfoot and all that and and nothing. So this is either either one doesn't exist or it's the greatest creature at hiding from the public there ever has been. Yeah, and a lot of people online are alleging, you know, that this was possibly staged by the train company for publicity. 
Uh, would make sense. Yeah. yeah. Would make an overwhelming. Because, I mean, honestly, that or Bigfoot has incredible hip flexibility. You saw yeah. him basically hit a full squat. Honestly, I thought he was going to poop behind that bush. <laughs> and I thought we were invading Bigfoot's privacy. Dad, you and I have a friend uh, a friend of ours who had a similar squat situation in a similar type of terrain when we were on vacation in Africa. Just walked out into the middle of the field yeah. and then all of a sudden drops out of nowhere and just starts pooping himself. So yeah. that's what I thought was at play here for Bigfoot potentially. And it felt kind of rude it's like when a dog makes eye contact with you and they're going for the bathroom they're doing it because they need to know you have their back it's Got a safety thing yeah. and here instead bigfoot has people gawking at him while yeah. he's trying to yeah. do his business out here it's rude i'm yeah. vulnerable in this position please make sure you're protecting me i think the only way we're going to find out if there's a a bigfoot is when we finally build condos in an area where there's a bigfoot and we interrupt that disturb that area and he has to go somewhere else i mean it <laughs> seems like we would have gotten to that point already i it's know not like, it's i know not like the ocean like the ocean's this terrifying place full of unknown creatures at depths we couldn't pop anytime they say we know remind me that we know more about outer space than we do about the bottom of the ocean i'm terrified by what our planet is capable of but we should have found Bigfoot by now. So, well, that's the thing. I yes. know there are aliens out there. I mean, I know there are extraterrestrials. There is no way we're the only, only, you know, living organisms in the universes out there. But it, it's getting harder and harder to believe there's an actual Bigfoot out there because the, too many of the stories get debunked. Or a lineage of Bigfoots, because I think the actual yeah. Bigfoot from the grainy picture, unless their lifespan's crazy, is probably dead, rest in power, but yep. Yep. you know, up there with Harambe right now, looking down on the rest of Boom. us here, yeah. gone but not forgotten. Uh, Jesse, let's get to the third. This Ugh. only feels relevant because it now sheds a very different light on one of the premier internet events in the last decade. The slap heard around the world at the Oscars now apparently looks very different in hindsight because of some news yesterday about Will and Jada Pinkett Smith. Yeah, so Jada Pinkett Smith has a book coming out, so she's doing the rounds, doing the interviews and stuff. She dropped an absolute nuclear bomb saying that she and Will Smith have been separated for six years, and she made it very clear they have been living separate lives, living separately, which I don't know if that means separate homes or like separate wings of the house. But I think been, it is separate homes. Yeah, separate homes. So she said it's not a divorce on paper, but it's basic. She was like, yeah, it's ba we're basically divorced. Like that's how separated they are. They're not even they're not trying to work on their marriage. They're not like six years ago. They were just like, we're separating. We're like basically done with each other. We're going to live in separate houses and have separate lives. But they've kept up this whole fake facade for Hollywood, attending events and stuff, it just makes you realize that Hollywood is a sham. And so much of this stuff is like PR related and it's gross, honestly. I, what they do in their personal lives is their business. They're a family, they've got kids, all that stuff. But why would you slap Chris Rock then? Yeah. Oh, oh that, I know that, the answer to this. Like, I, I know the oh, answer to this. Apparently oh. there's rumors out there that Chris Rock knew they were separated and asked Jada Pinkett Smith out oh. sometime over the course of the six years. Oh, see, well, I mean, this makes a lot more sense now. They're separated. Isn't that, isn't that fair game then? Exactly. I mean, is, is he supposed to ask Will Smith, hey, you're separated. Do you mind if I, you know, make a phone call there or I, whatever? This, this is information 
I don't care about. <laughs> I don't care about them. I don't care about Will. I don't care about Jada. I don't care about any of them. Live your lives. It makes you appreciate true love like the kind Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. <laughs> if you love us, download, subscribe, rate, review. Enjoy Thursday Night Football. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community and of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live.